will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the podcast where your questions nourish us. Nourish us well. Hello. We suckle on them. And you may present your teat of queries to We Will Fix You Show at gmail.com. Hello. Joining me tonight, Mr. Dave Convery, creator of the Inner Monologue. Hello. Who said that? I am Roger Hart. Not your dentist. That is quite correct. But still not letting go. And this is Miss Lucy Boyles. Diplomatic attaché to those rats. You know, the ones behind the kebab shop. They're happy with the amount of old kebab they received, not keen on the rental kill guy. I need to negotiate on that. Sterling work. Our question today is brief, but impactful. Hi. I think I'm really attracted to someone online, without ever meeting them, and I'm not sure what to do. We got a rapport and are messaging a lot, but I'm worried that if I make one mistake, it will blow out internet person. Well, I mean, in a lot of situations, it blowing out is kind of what you're looking for here, but um, I'm guessing we're working with a different vernacular. I don't know, I've been there. I've totally been there. And it, this, this is sort of, there's a situation a bit like this that was beautifully caricatured in one of Russell T. Davis's post-career spoke things. I can't remember if it was cucumber or banana, but, you know, one of that, that set of sort of slice of light relationship fast things. Where one of the characters who spends a lot of time fruitlessly on Grinder finally meets up with someone for, you know, casual fuck. And he's like, oh, why didn't you get in touch before? Oh, well, I've been looking, I've been sort of looking, looking at your profile for years, but I never messaged you in case you blocked me. <laughs> and there's just, there's so much going on there, that kind of sort of internalized assumption that any attempt means failing and all of the magic thinking around, around dating. And particularly online dating, which has this extra category of almost being a distraction activity sometimes, where you kind of just like checking your Facebook timeline or something and go on there and who's there and what are the match percentages or it's particularly if it's locational like Grindr or Tinder, kind of who's around. There's all there's all sorts of stuff there where it kind of fills a distraction niche, making it kind of weirdly extra unhealthy, making it a sort of twitch replacement compulsion activity. I mean, this isn't this isn't quite your scenario because you've been talking to the person and enough to develop rapport and actually lots of good positive signs. You've done the hard thing, you know, it's not I can't message you in case you block me. You don't want to make a first move in case it all goes akimbo. But I think some of the principle is the same, this tremendous tendency to build everything up into the idea of the person and the idea of the situation rather than the situation such that taking the next leap feels like it's going to destabilize the thing you have already. When you're just like distraction browsing grinder or OKCupid or Guardian Soulmates or whatever it is, you're kind of, well, I can't get in touch with you because what if that? It, it's a, it makes me think of probability superposition and mm. kind of quantum collapse. The sort of, while until you open the box, there could be a, a cat or a plate of noodles or fuck knows what, alive, dead, bleh. And you can build yourself a nice fantasy of what's in the box. And when you look in the box, reality crashes in and a thing is chosen and a thing happens. And I get that, and you get to multiple stages, I think. So you, you've got you've got as far as chatting to this person. I, I mean, I'm presupposing it's on a dating site or something like that. You might, maybe it's someone you've just not online otherwise and are flirting with, but I think it's still portable. So 
yeah, you've, you've worked yourself up. Each, each stage of communication that has a possible next step therefore has a nice comfortable rest state of friendly uncertainty that you can enjoy where you can interact with the idea of the person rather than the person where you can enjoy the possibility and assume that it's deliciously inevitable probe the mind relationship mm. Mm. deliciously inevitable but therefore kind of magically fragile and yeah here's where kind of Spurgeon's law kicks in you know the whole 90% of everything is shit like statistically things are going to go wrong. You wander into a bookstore in a blindfold, uh, spin around three times and grab something off the shelf, odds are it's going to be a shit. Um, and it got published. Think yeah. about the shit that didn't get published. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of life experiences come with the risk of disappointment. You know, your first phase where you're, I'm going to just stick with the grinder example, sending random, hey, hi, how are, you, how are things messages to the five nearest guys, maybe you'll get one response. You know, the, the statistical spread is, is occasionally depressing. But you've already got a rapport with this person, so I don't know. I kind of, I think it's very easy to get overinvested in the idea of the thing, which makes the risk of changing the thing seem disproportionately harder. Human beings are appalling at estimating risk, but it just feels like in the balance of probabilities, actually, eh. Mm. I mean, I know that's not a super useful answer. It's more a noise. I think there's also a bit of the you maybe if you've been on your own a while you spend a long time thinking about the kind of person who would be right and then often the person who is right is nothing like the you know if I think mm. about what I wanted when I was looking for my last relationship what I got was basically not it at all mm. but it has mm. turned out to be much better than the thing I thought I wanted exactly the same mm. um, yeah weirdly so mm. so I, my, my partner I messaged with some sort of flippant comment about like a super hot profile pic I was mm basically angling for a casual shag. <laughs> it's turned out pretty well six years later. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've got the sort of singularly unhelpful, but at least mercifully direct thing of, I understand, I empathise, it's perfectly normal, but just fucking do it, it's probably going to be fine. With a, with a little frisson of, um, if it's not fine, it's sort of okay for you to languish in enjoying the idea of the thing. But if it's not fine, realistically, in terms of practical investment of your time, you probably want to know sooner than later. Mm -hmm. If you are content enjoying the liminally dead undead cat in the box, if fantasy cat is preferable to... Actual alive or dead cat. The explicit reality of a living or dead cat universe, then do carry on and don't let me tell you what to do. But balance of investment and outcomes, I'd say just, you know, get the fuck on with it. Good, good advice. Mm. It's got me both laid and rejected a lot as, mm. a, as a piece of advice. And on the whole, you're further through that whole process in your life than you would have been if you hadn't tried any of those things. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, the only way to get through the tube is to squeeze. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I'm imagining some peristalsis of relationship. <laughs> that kind of emotional, muscular convulsion. Exactly. But peristalsis is automatic. This is a sort of relationship constipation in that case. Yeah, I guess so. And we will be your emotional ex-lax. Hello. So um, I wanted to focus on the anxiety that is coming through, particularly in the second part of your question. You know, the issue of making a mistake. I think this is a very kind of common anxiety, but it can also be a big kind of fear constraint in the early days of a relationship or a proto-relationship. The good news is that it is mostly a function of your brain rather than an actual thing that is actually likely to go wrong, so you do have a lot more control over this fear than maybe you currently feel like or think that you do. The one thing that I found extremely common among humans is having a sort of 
puzzle box approach to relationships, which is also totally reinforced by pretty much every kind of mainstream media. The idea that the path to a good relationship is not about compatibility or communication, it's actually doing the perfect set of inputs to unlock the box that says relationship. You know, like there's a maze with multiple possible paths and you've got to get the right one first time or else you get exploded when you take the wrong turn in the maze. And the good news is that that is not actually how good relationships are supposed to work, even if that is pretty much the plot of every film. It can only be true if the other person is also bought into that idea and playing the same rules the same way you are, which is extremely unlikely given that people are all very different and have very different approaches to things. It's also only likely if they're also super bought into a particular model of relationships that society endorses, and if that is the case, that is going to be way more about them, their anxiety and their insecurity than it is about you as a compatible romantic partner. I guess what I'm trying to say is that a relationship that has good potential is not something you can fuck up by making one mistake, and if a relationship does get blown up by one mistake, and the other person is not, say, open to a discussion about what happened, how you could handle it differently next time, anything else you might need to communicate harder about, that's a good sign that the person in the relationship are not right for you anyway. Which sucks to hear when you've spent a long time getting your hopes up about how a thing could be great, but it is so much less painful to learn this earlier rather than later in the proceedings. So I want to give you a couple of examples from my own life. There was one where I'd been sort of vaguely briefly sleeping with someone for a while who was also just not, like obviously probably not going to commit in any meaningful way. and. They were living somewhere else, we were kind of messaging a lot, and we ended up having a conversation about... They had a sort of physical, structural abnormality that some people... that is generally benign, but some people choose to correct with surgery. Now, I asked if they'd ever considered having the surgery, which, you know, not in a context of body shaming, just in a context of curiosity. And they completely blew up and, like, kind of went off on one at me about how, why should I expect them to have a surgery that could be dangerous and life-altering just to fix a thing that they didn't even think... You know, it was some weird rant that was not really anything to do with what I'd said and that did kind of blow the whole thing up we didn't actually speak again after that which at the time when I still had the model in my head of a relationship as a thing you can ruin by being or doing wrong early on kind of reinforced it in a way that wasn't really helpful now I want to give you a second example which is from the beginning of my current relationship where I went away for the weekend we've been texting a lot planning to meet up again and I their text went dead for the weekend and I had also happened to make a joke about cancer, which then I re then remembered one of their parents had died from. Brain anxiety put those two together and assumed I had just irrevocably fucked up this entire relationship by making a crass joke and they were just going to ghost me and this whole nice thing that I was excited about was done and over. Their phone ran out of credit and they did not manage to pick up more credit for three days. That was the whole of the problem on there and they did not even mention the joke or the cancer thing. That was not even an issue at all. So, this, you know, that taught me a valuable lesson about fit being an important thing. It should be relatively hard work to irreparably screw up a relationship that is actually good and viable. Being anxious about it as well is not going to help your relaxed and confident game, which is probably the best you and the you that this person is the most interested in getting to know. You know, even if I don't always like myself very much, my current partner likes me the most when I am the most mis myself, you know? They react to me being natural. Um, and that's what you want to bring. You don't want to bring the anxious, weird, twitchy person who is trying to negotiate around invisible obstacles, because then you, that's going to poison the relationship. Not the mistake you might make, the weirdness that you brought because you were afraid you might make the mistake. You want to bring your, like, Sunday morning sweatpants game, not your bugging out on the internet game. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of imagining, you know, one of the, like a sort of dungeon-based game where you've got a bunch of pressure point traps. Mm. In your mind, those traps are everywhere and you have to negotiate them carefully, but they do not exist anywhere other than your mind. 
And I think one thing that is probably important to bring up here is the feeling of having to walk on eggshells around particular topics or subjects or things with a person is often a sign of an abusive relationship. Not always, but sometimes. And so if you are with someone who actually makes you feel like there are a bunch of traps on the ground that you've got to dance around to try and avoid, that in itself is also probably a red flag about the relationship. So yeah, my advice is basically calm down and try and have a nice time. Mm. Mr. Convery. I think we've sort of touched on this already, but the thing that that I want to stress is uh, to avoid binary thinking. Like, oh, no human relationships are all or nothing. They're all built up of thousands and thousands of different things um, and yes you can have big sort of sweeping change points where things do matter but you you can do a lot of things to position yourself on the surest footing possible to make sure that you get what you want and that you are certain that you are doing the right thing so I know that we live in the future and everyone meets online now but you still need I think some some in real life contact before you try and push things forward. I, I think that would be sensible. Because, I mean, we're not that far away from all of those articles we had about 10 years ago where they were all just saying, oh, this couple met in Second Life and they were both two-headed dogs who fucked goats. And then when they met in real life and this bungalow in Luton somehow sparks failed to fly, they just couldn't recreate the magic of their two-headed dog lifestyle. We all have personas online. So I'm, I'm normally quite calm in real life, but here in the internet, the place where I am speaking to you from, I often play an angry buffoon. Um, they say, Dave, why are you so mad, the people who see you in real life? Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. I was doing that for comic effect. They didn't think it was a joke, so perhaps I shouldn't, but that is by the by. But you can't just get from the gags on the internet messaging back and forth to let's smush our wet bits together and make many fat-handed children. So you've got to, you've got to build things up, basically. You need more and more of the little little things that make a relationship solid and real before it's a capital letters relationship. And I think that sort of will mean meeting in real life in... Like, I'm not going to say how, because however I say it will either sound twee or spectacularly fucking creepy. The thing that you've got to avoid is is big grand gestures or anything in a, that someone who's in a romantic comedy would do. Mm-hmm. If you think of that, just do the opposite thing. Just Google the thing you think of. If it's in one of those films, don't do it. Do nothing you would ever see on Friends. Mm. Yeah. Unless it's uh, You've Got Mail, um, which I've never seen. But it's about the internet, sort of, and I think Tom Hanks gets his end away at the end of the film. In, like, 1996 or something. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, he looks like a puzzled Great Dane, so if he can, anyone can. An old one these days as well. Yeah, I don't want to diminish Tom Hanks. He seems nice. He does seem nice. He seems like a nice guy. I mean, he's just he's just a little older than his he was in my memory of the golden years. Yeah. Peak Hanks. Mm. Good Early stuff. 2000s. The good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Basically, build things up because the more that you, the the more that you engage before making the leap and saying, should we go out? The surer you'll be. The that less you should go out. Yeah. That, that. Yeah. That that it's on the cards that it would potentially work. 
the more things you put in, you've, the stronger a foundation you've got to work from. And that's a metaphor. Mm. The rich tapestry of Metaphors. Love. I think one thing I would say is I've never really had a hey, should we go out moment. It's always sort of slithered through increments and we've just ended up there. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're doing this yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, I, don't, I don't think that... Um, the whole asking someone out model is for sort of your friend Tracy who asks your friend Thingamy who says to your friend Wilberforce who asks your friend Myrtle on the bus. Or Americans yeah. who might go on an actual date. Oh, what the fuck is that? Like, the closest I've ever been to an actual date is that back when I was on Grinder, I wouldn't do sight unseen. I'd always at least go for one drink first. Mm. I mean, is that what dating is? I don't know. I've been on several Possibly. dates. They were okay. None of this is, is outside of my iterative method. No, That's You true. just need to get from... Let's meet in real life to, oh, fuck, we're picking cushions. We've probably bought a house. Our fat-handed children are inside me. Pawing. Pawing the way out of the world. Well, you can't feel the claws because their hands are so fat that the nails don't extend beyond the flesh. Hands mighty. Fat hands. Dumping on the walls of the uterus. Flapping at your fleshy insides. This has gone badly wrong. I hope we helped. Oh, we did at least some helping, I think. I... We've done a partial help. Yeah, we're helping, maybe helping. Mm. It's help adjacent, certainly. Yeah. It... You'll be fine. Just... Stop overthinking it. Just do the thing. Mm. You'll... Iteratively. You'll iterate to a relationship where you won't. You might get your end away. It'll be nice. I mean, we are all saying this is smug, happily, domestically partnered people, but I think we also all do remember the despair of the years when that was not true. And, you know, other people managing it was sort of false hope and promise or felt so then. You know, no amount of me saying this will probably work out fine because most humans, no matter how lumpy and deformed, seem to find someone who's right for them. And the ones who don't, it tends to be about the psychological hang-ups mm. rather than about the lumpy and deformed. Yeah, I remember the grand regrets as well, kind of inv- massively yeah. over-investing in like, online flirtations that would yeah. never go anywhere because I wouldn't take the plunge. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I find that the older I get, the more I regret the things I didn't do and the things that I did. So. That is another thing that old people often say, is try and make young people feel a thing. We can't make you feel it, but it is sort mm. of true if you'll just hang in for a few years, probably get better. Crack on. Mm. Ta-ta. Send us a picture of your fat-handed baby. <laughs> we'll put it on the website. Your gammon-fisted sport.